ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take you all the way down in New Orleans this time. Competition is Ladies and gentlemen, I know I've been away too long, but there's no better way to bring Hard in the Paint back than to start with our weekly edition of the Dome Patrol with my man, my brother, the one and only Ross Jackson. Ross, welcome back. I hope you're doing well, and let's have a great episode of the Dome Patrol. Yeah, man. No, I've been looking forward to this all week, man. I always appreciate being here with you. You know that. You're you're my brother, man. You're family. So I'm glad to see you. Glad to see you doing well. Um, and, you know, battling the elements, as it were. <laughs> uh, here you are, man, through it all. So I, I appreciate it. I'm always glad to be here with you, brother. I'm, I'm going to do a deeper discussion on this later with somebody else this week. Sure. But I wanted to see, uh, I just wanted to ask you, had you seen um, Judas and the Black Messiah yet? I haven't seen it yet. I'm watching it. I think we're going to watch it. This is weird, but we schedule our lives like this. Uh, but we're going to watch, I think, Friday night and everything. So, so I'll watch it and then I'll come back and listen to the conversation later. But I'm really excited to see it. Yeah, it, it, it was, it's one of those things that, one of those films that just makes you silent at the mm -hmm. end you know when you're done you don't you don't really have much to say right you're just absorbing it um so you know that that I, i'll just leave it at that i don't want to ruin anything for you but uh, that's just how i was left and i watched it with my wife my wife and my daughter mm -hmm. and um you know she's 12 and just she, i think i think she, she's been radicalized <laughs> <laughs> she ready she ready that's what i'm talking about that's what i like to hear that's what I like to hear. No, I mean, like it, it is that right. Like it's it. it I, I, I love a film that, first of all, isn't specifically reflected or crafted in the in, in the framework of like, let's steep ourselves in our own trauma, which is so often what like black film was yes. allowed to be for so long. And now we're finally starting to break out of that, which is great. But it's really great when you find those films that can both educate and agitate at the same time so that you're ready to mobilize afterwards. So so that's what that's, that those are a little bit like some things that I've heard about the film sort of sort of pique my interest in that way. So I'm really excited to see it. Absolutely. And if it stirs action, then that's that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, but let's get into our saints and the most urgent thing continues to be the quarterback situation yeah that's first and foremost so we've had drew Brees reduce his salary in order to you know as last year he made his announcement right around this time i think it was tomorrow yep. would be tomorrow one year yeah yep from his decision to return um what, what, what's the timetable we're looking at in your mind for him to do it this week next week I kind of expect it this week. I thought I thought it might be early this week. Um, I don't know if maybe there's some because we talked about like when Drew Brees makes his decision, he deserves the news cycle for a couple of days. Himself, yes. Yeah. And so maybe it's a. I figured if maybe they were waiting on the Carson Wentz trade because there were some rumors that that was really close and they didn't want to be battling that and everything. But at what point? 
does like Thursday or Friday feel too late in the week for it to happen? So it kicks to next week. Yeah, exactly. And so I feel like it's something that might kick to early next week. Sean Payton said about two weeks ago that the announcement was expected to be made in about a week or two. So, you know, I mean, that's general coach speak for, you know, any range of time, really. Um, But I expected it this week. At this point, considering that we're already to Wednesday morning, I wouldn't be surprised if it pushed over until sometime early next week. But but we'll see. I mean, I, I have nothing that says that or that tells me that opposite what Sean Payton has said publicly and just sort of what the news cycle looks like around the NFL. Nothing the, the what we're dealing with in Louisiana with our weather. True. Um, and yeah. We'll close that too. You don't want to drop that while people are without power right. and, you know homeless and freezing and stuff right. like that. You, it's it's the wrong time to have a football start in, in New Orleans. Yeah, very true. And for Drew Brees, like he's going to want his message to be able to be heard by as many people as possible, not because of, you know, a, a need for fame or a need for attention. But, you know, there is a genuine care for the city and, and the region at that as well, like beyond just just the state of Louisiana, that he's going to want to make sure that, you know, all those people who don't have power right now are going to be able to hear that statement when it's made and, and everything. And so I, I, I feel like that's another huge part of it that could push it into next week. Allow for a properly gathered media yeah, um, exactly. and, and in some way, I mean, obviously to be like a Zoom or whatever, but you mm-hmm. got to make sure that you can coordinate those things. And and, and I, yeah, I think it probably just takes a little more time. It just it would be rough right now to do it with Mardi Gras being canceled and all right. these other things that are going on. It's just kind of it's a downer for some people, you know, even though right. you expect it, it's still yeah. a downer. And it's just you don't yeah. want to add that to a week of downers. <laughs> for real, for real. Absolutely. Like imagine being told, hey, listen, um, there's a pandemic outside that's right. only getting worse. Um, there's a vaccine that's not going to get to you yet. Uh, <laughs> there's an ice storm in the south, which is kind of wild. Uh, there's also no Mardi Gras and your franchise quarterback that you know and love. He gone. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like that's just that's just all too much. That's assuming he announces his retirement, of course, which, you know, we expect that. But, you know, hey, anything could happen. Yeah, anything could happen. As it's told, as a scene outside the window. But in that QB room, as we've said, the only one standing is James, uh, excuse me, is Taysom Hill. Right. And his $16.6 million price tag. Mm -hmm. There are thoughts that Taysom could be a cap casualty since he is not the quarterback of the future. It's pretty much an indication that the Saints have decided in one way or another he's not the quarterback of the future with as aggressively as they've stated they're going to pursue Jameis Winston. You can't have two $20 million quarterbacks on your roster. Right. And and Taysom's role should ultimately be diminished if it properly. Now that he's on that wrong side of 30, you mm-hmm. can't have him out there 20, 25 plays taking shots in right. different positions. And, it's, and you've developed these other positions. You have depth at wide receiver now. You have depth at running back now the offense is going to look different. You don't need to necessarily manufacture yards through Mm -hmm. using trick plays, so to speak, so much. If you have a different quarterback under center, is Taysom a potential cap casualty? I think that there is the potential to rework his cap situation. I don't think, though, that they put him out on the street. You know what I mean? I think oftentimes when we talk about cap casualty, we talk about somebody either getting traded away, which I don't think there's going to be a market for him, or he's going to be cut, 
and I don't think that they do that either, unless it's dire circumstances. Um, what they can do is restructure his contract by adding two void years to the end of his deal and then spreading out that cap hit over a couple seasons. You're effectively doubling down on him at that point, right? Because you're accepting a cap hit for him for over three years, over the course of three years. But if you're taking $16 million and then pushing that out over, over three seasons, that's not that much to take on per year. I mean, you're looking at that's right a around- salary. Yeah, exactly. You're looking at right around $5 million per year, basically, yeah. that you're pushing around. And so if you took- you know, as much of that as you can, that is the base salary, and then convert that to a salary cap bonus, then that spreads out over time, and then you can rework his deal from there. Either way, he's going to get paid the same amount. In fact, he just gets he gets paid on basically an accelerated timeline in that instead of it being weekly checks, he gets paid out a bonus, mm -hmm. uh, which is nice for him. And then he can still hit the market next year if he wants to hit the market next year, and then either make that decision or be told by his agent beforehand, like, hey, there might not be that much of a market for you. You should stick with the Saints, in which case those two void years can be, you know, built into an extension or a resign and things like that. So so there are ways to lessen his cap hit. And I would expect the Saints to do. That. I don't think there's any way, any way outside of him actually being the starting quarterback next year that he takes a an actual 16 million dollar cap or that the saints take a 16 million dollar cap hit on Taysom hill if he's playing his usual uh swiss army knife role or or really his usual tight end role and then for james with the quarterback um circle that's been going on these musical chairs mm -hmm. what do his options look like at this point realistically because like you said carson wentz hasn't been dealt right. um yet so that's still a big thing hanging out there you have guys like Teddy Bridgewater who could be on the move. Mm -hmm. You have um, other quarterbacks that Sam Darnold could be on the move. And his name right. has actually been attached to the Saints in some reports. I don't see that. I don't see any interest in the Saints, but people are throw. I think that just, that's just stirring it, it, up. It's a quarterback and the Saints need a quarterback. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. But for, for Jameis himself, there's still going to be some good options for him. And we've talked about the Saints having to be aggressive and make a commitment to him if that's who they really want to go with. Right. Um, do, do, are the Saints still in the driver's seat with Jameis? I would say that both the Saints are in the driver's seat for Jameis and Jameis is in the driver's seat for that position, which which I think is is the thing to keep in mind here is that Jameis coming back to New Orleans outside of something you know unspeakable he's the starting quarterback in New Orleans and he's a starting quarterback for a team that has an offensive line and Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara and potentially Emmanuel Sanders if they keep him around for next year but even still younger wide receivers behind him like Marquez Calloway, Traquan uh, uh, Smith, a good defense, all those things are available to him. The, the team that doesn't get Carson Wentz if Carson Wentz gets dealt between I would say probably the uh, the Bears and the Colts seem to be the driver's seat there in terms of, of guys that could be there. Patriots are in that conversation, but I don't think the Patriots I are going to pay the, the price. Taking Carson Wentz, yeah, I just don't I, see it. I think that they have better options out there already uh, that they could go to. And I think and, he's, he's a problem, and Belichick yeah. ain't here to deal with problems. No, and they're not trying to trade that draft capital either. Like that's mm -hmm. not never. They got too many the holes of the, of the Patriots, exactly. And so whichever of the two teams between the Bears and Indianapolis, those teams. That team could make a run for Jameis Winston if he hits the open market come March 15th, if the Saints don't re-sign him before then, which they can. Uh, if that team ends up being the Bears that doesn't land Carson Wentz, then I think you have less of a threat there in free agency 
in the market if he hits the open market than if the Indianapolis Colts are the team that's available because they have more pieces. They have receivers. They have young talent at running back, a very good young running back in Jonathan Taylor, a good defense. They have all of those pieces. And I think that that would be just as appealing and a lot more money. And so that would be and just a quarterback as friendly coach too in Frank Reich. Yeah. Who yeah. has done a good job in communicating with his 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 players? So yeah, I think it, it's you look at Chicago's offense, and you don't see a lot of innovation there. You don't see a lot of opportunities there to to do something big. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, if you're Jameis, you want a chance. What you're looking for too, like you said, not just a chance to win, but to to show that what your talent. And and right. I don't think Chicago presents him with the best situation to show his talent. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't think Chicago gives you that. I think Indianapolis can. And so, you know, if you're a Saints fan and you're hoping for Carson Wentz to be traded somewhere to help lessen the market for Jameis Winston, the hope is that he ends up in Indianapolis. I think that's the best case scenario for the Saints. Um, Even if that trade doesn't happen for Indianapolis and Indianapolis is in the quarterback market, the Saints still have a little bit of an advantage just strictly based on the fact that Jameis is familiar with the system, with the coaching staff, things like that. He doesn't have to go somewhere and learn something new. He knows whether or not he likes it in New Orleans. His conversation with Michael Vick seemed to eliminate the idea that he did like it very much in New Orleans and enjoy his time. But again, like, what is he supposed to say, right? Like, so, you know, you kind of have to take that for what it is. But Still, I mean, he would have a market out there if he even if he didn't like what he had in New Orleans, you know what I mean? And so so I do think that he is still in the driver's seat for that starting position. And because of that and because of the weapons that New Orleans still has, because they've done a good job building their roster around the quarterback position and building. I can't remember who said it, but somebody might have been John Sigler building a car that can drive the quarterback as opposed to Mm -hmm. a car that has to be driven by the quarterback. I think that all of that lends itself to the Saints being the most logical option for Jameis Winston. He could take a risk and go somewhere else that could be high reward, but you're still taking a risk in that situation. The last thing um, as far as the quarterback position is the draft. And there's I'm seeing more and more mock drafts that have Mac Jones going in the first round to the Saints. Saints mm-hmm. don't draft quarterbacks in the first round. If you're going to resign Jameis, <laughs> yeah, they don't draft quarterbacks in general. <laughs> They've drafted a couple over Sean Payton's career, but mostly late round guys. They don't right. really spend money on, on drafting quarterbacks. I can't see them going into the first round with the knee only having five picks right now and going into that and spending your first round pick on a quarterback. When you do have this ability to sign Jameis, when you do have Taysom making the money that he's making, when you do have these gaping needs and that we'll get into in some other um, places, I just don't see Mac Jones. If he's there in the third round or if they find a way to move somebody and get up into the second round, maybe, but I, I can't see them using number 28 on a quarterback. Yeah, it, it would have to be the like perfect imperfect storm. Um, it would have to be that Jameis Winston doesn't get re-signed and that they are very, very, very much not in for the Taysom Hill time, uh, which I don't think is a reality. Right. I think that if Jameis Winston isn't the guy, then they'll go to Taysom Hill. And, and they and, won't have a problem for a year right. riding it out with Taysom. Right. Absolutely. And then maybe you grab somebody in the third round like they usually do. Right. I think it was 2007 and 2000 and, and whenever they drafted Garrett Grayson. Um, like a Sam they, Erlinger could be available in the third round. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You know, I mean, you you want a guy that can do some things that are similar to to Taysom Hill in terms of like also being a, a he's not a fast guy, but he's a, a he's basically guy. a fullback. He'll yeah. run you over. <laughs> and so, you know, you could you could go that route. You could go Jamie Newman out of Wake Forest. Yeah. You know, if you want another big armed guy, you can go Felipe Franks. If you want a project guy that basically gives you exactly what you could potentially have in Jameis Winston. A ton uh, of arm talent. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, poor decision making, yep. things like that, like those things are present. But he's also in the midst of a transition from college to the NFL where it's easier to fix those things and provide those tools than somebody that has maybe worked themselves into a rut over five years, which could be the example with Jameis Winston. We don't know. So Felipe Franks could be an option for the Saints day three, or excuse me, day two, early day three. So I think that that would be the more likely route to go that even even if Jameis Winston doesn't sign, but they could also go that route if James, if they are able to re-sign Jameis Winston, it, it would just take like the absolute worst scenario basically for them to actually spend 28 on a quarterback unless they decide to trade up in the first round and grab a guy that they really, really like. But that's a huge jump they'd that's, have yeah, to take. Yeah, because the best ones are going to be gone before yeah. you get to 15. Yeah, you'll be lucky if one of the top four guys is still on the board after pick eight, after Carolina. You know what I mean? Like, if you just look in that top eight, there are four quarterbacks. We know Jacksonville. We know the Jets. We know right. it's just they're, they're, the guys that are, that are round one grades. That drop off from round one to round two grade is yeah. pretty pretty significant. Yeah, and you have a team like the Washington Football Team, who's in the middle of the pack, but is in need of a quarterback, has better draft capital, and therefore has better things to offer that can move up if somebody yep. does drop into later part the later portion of you know the the top 10 picks or so so it's just a lot of competition and, it, and it's extremely tough for them to be able to do that so i don't really see them going quarterback in the first round unless something you know kind of unexpected happens which can happen in the draft but i don't think that they go in saying all right we got to grab a quarterback in the first round let's look at the other positions um that are really interesting right now d-line has to be the second most intriguing storyline for the Saints this offseason mm-hmm. between Sheldon Rankins as a free agent, Malcolm Brown, who we've already talked about as a, as a potential um, loss there, mm-hmm. um, Marcus Davenport, Trey Hendrickson, all those issues there with that line. And then you're still talking about you can't really move Cam Jordan because of his salary and the hit that you would take. Mm-hmm. It becomes very difficult. Um, the Saints could end up with essentially – you got basically three guys possibly that you have Anyamata, um, and then you you know I mean uh, who am I missing Anyamata, uh, Cam Jordan, and, and you got your younger guys like Malcolm Roach and Shy yeah Tuttle. Malcolm Roach and um, so it's not it's not a deep line, and Tuttle and Shy Tuttle mm-hmm. so you don't have the depth which has been the strength of this D line could be halved this offseason. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder if they actually extend Malcolm Brown as opposed to cut him and then drop his salary that way. Uh, I kind of wonder if they go that route because they want to keep that. You know, the, the, first of all, the Saints' number one priority when they hit free agency every single season is keeping the band together, keeping as many players as they can. So I kind of wonder if there's another route to go with Malcolm Brown that isn't actually him getting cut, but instead ex- even so much as extending him. You know, and that could just mean giving him one extra year so that you can you can spread that salary cap and, you know, and, and an actual year as opposed to a void year. That way mm-hmm. it's not just dead cap sitting there or anything like that. Like there are other routes to go. Uh, if they were to do that and then let's say lose both, let's say Sheldon Rankins and Trey Hendrickson, that's probably a realistic scenario that you could see both of them lost. I also don't know how much of a market Sheldon Rankins is going to have with his injury history, if we're being completely honest. Like he does have, he does produce when healthy. I think that will work to his benefit, but what's that market actually going to be like? And so can the Saints end up retaining him much like they retained David Onyemata last season, right? Sort of with that surprisingly team-friendly salary that they were able to put together there. So that's an option. There are some good free agency options out there at the edge rusher position. There's a great draft for edge rushers. I do think they go edge rusher in the draft this year. 
um, or at least they're looking for it, right? They're not going to pinpoint by position, but they'll have some of their favorite guys on that board for sure. I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I can see edge rusher being rated, edge rushers being rated a little bit higher on their boards than other boards around the NFL. And they've um, been looking for an edge rusher for some time, or a legitimate it, yeah. edge rusher to, to pair with Cam. Yeah, because they, you know, they we've seen, we've watched them draft Trey Henderson, we've watched them draft Marcus Davenport, we've watched them try to, you know, they brought in Ziggy Anza for visits, they tried to trade for Robert Quinn, they tried to trade for Jadavion Clown, they tried to rewrite the rule book for Jadavion Clown. <laughs> he like they they want another edge rusher, and thankfully they ended up getting one anyway out of Trey Hendrickson this season. But there are a lot of guys that are maybe right before their Trey Hendrickson season. Right. Their their big breakout season, Derek Barnett, who could potentially hit the market, who the Saints did visit with when he was coming into the coming into the NFL. Uh, Some of these other guys from around the league that maybe are a little bit younger that haven't you know, that had five and a half sacks over the last two seasons. The the Tack McKinley's who have been stuck in bad defenses like there are there is a good market out there in case they're not able to keep those guys together. I think Trey Hendrickson is going to be extremely tough to keep because, you know, you have teams right now that have. A bunch of salary cap space and have amongst the fewest sacks in the NFL. Like yep. a lot of those teams correlate with one another. And so because and of people that, people always overpay for that. Always overpay. Always. And so, you know, it, it does help that the defensive tackle position in free agency is pretty saturated. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of guys that are going to be hitting there and there are going to be guys that are going to be available in trade markets and, and cap casualties, things like that. Like I could see Javon Hargrave potentially being traded. I can see Malik Jackson being released. Uh, we know Kwan Short's going to be on the market from Carolina. There's a really good defensive tackle market. Jonathan Hankins, like there's a lot of good guys out there. So that could help the Saints in terms of keeping Sheldon Rankins around. But it also helps them because if they aren't able to keep Sheldon Rankins, there are still some Malcolm Brown level signings that they could make at three tech that would still be beneficial for them in their rotation. And that's, that's the thing is if you can get the rotation, right, you don't have to depend on any one guy. And that's been the strength of that line. Um, I also saw reports that the saints are interviewing um, Aline McNeil out of NC state. And that's an athlete, right? That's an athlete. Big time. This is a dude who did everything in high school, one of the multi-sport cats played linebacker and running back yep. and gets and to college. <laughs> yeah. And, and I like a lot of kids who get to college. Like, I don't know how many fans understand the growth that guys go through from high school to college and the position changes. Yeah. Like I had a, a Mark, at Wake Forest, I had a guy came in with me freshman year mm-hmm. and he was a, um, a tight end mm-hmm. when he first got to Wake Forest, a, a receiving tight end. Mm-hmm. By the end of freshman year, he was an offensive guard. Like he had put on that much weight and they had moved him to guard. Wow. Like the, the body changes that that these young men go through over those first two years in college. It's amazing. And and, they, and the ones who retain that athleticism and this kid does. I mean, does is he a where do you think he goes in the draft? What's his talent level if the Saints really are interested? Yeah, I would look at him as a day two guy, either round two or round three. I mean, I think that that's where he is, and I think that's where he deserves to be, too. I think he's an incredible, like as you mentioned, he's an incredible athlete. He's six foot two, I mm-hmm. think. I think he's a little bit shorter, but still 320 pounds. Mm-hmm. But his bulk up from going from 274 to 320 over the course of his time in college, as you mentioned, is not a bulk up that has slowed him down at all. He still has a lot of explosiveness. He still has really good what they call get off off the line of scrimmage. He's still and he's really good in the run game. Like he has done some things. He he is able to do some things athletically and explosiveness wise that 
really make him intriguing. I'm not surprised that the Saints are, are meeting with him, and I'm not surprised that he's meeting with the Saints because they also have the NC State con- connection, which, of course, Ryan Nielsen, before joining the Saints staff, was the NC State defensive line coach. He is now the Saints defensive line coach and assistant head coach as well after the the scuffle with LSU uh, <laughs> and everything that took place. And so I, I think that he is a, a viable option. And the thing about it is that there's others, like there's the Stills brothers out of uh, West Virginia that mm-hmm. aren't getting a ton of attention, but that are, you know, uh, akin, you know, they have similar traits. Um, also, Diggy Zua out of UCLA that have similar traits. Like this is a really good pass rusher class, whether you're talking about the edge or interior. It's a very good pass rusher class, and and he fits in that, but also gives you a lot of prowess in the run game too. Yeah, 17 and a half tackles for loss in 32 mm-hmm. games. You can't. That's nothing to sneeze at. Right. Um. And and so he, he's definitely an interesting target. Um. Next position, I want to go through his linebacker spot. We know mm-hmm. Demario Davis is a lock. Quan right. Alexander's injury makes him a question, a huge question mark. Alex mm-hmm. Anzalone, huge question mark. Um, again, with only five draft picks, what does the free agent market look like for the Saints at linebacker? We know they don't play a ton of linebackers, but they consistently need folks who can cover sideline to sideline, be impactful in both um, the pass game as far as coverage, and then in the run game, be able to play at the line of scrimmage. Are there free agents out there that fit that profile that are affordable? And then on top of that, are there, um, you know, are there kids, players in this draft class that could be available rounds three through five? Yeah. So I would say that the the free agent class for off ball linebackers isn't great. It, it's not it's not completely empty. It's not barren, but it, it's 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 not great. Um, it's a lot of pass rushing linebackers. It's the Leonard Floyds. It, it, it's those those guys, the, the Matt Judon, stuff like that. So Mario Addison, like it, it's that type of linebacker. It's. A couple of guys or really somebody that maybe stands out for me a bit is uh, KJ Wright coming over from potentially coming over from Seattle. He's an older guy, 31, 30, but he's still somebody that I think could come in and, and still have a good role. I mean, he could be another mentor to a younger guy like Zach Bond. And if the Saints do dip into the draft class, which I think they absolutely should, whether it's in the first round, which is really possible. Saints don't really invest first round picks in linebackers. They tried that one time <laughs> and it hasn't didn't really work out for them. Um and so they, they could go that route. They could go with a Zavin Collins out of um, out of Tulsa, who I really like uh, at 28. I think that like if they went with Zavin Wright, I wouldn't be upset at all uh, at that or Zavin Collins, excuse me, at that position because he's six foot four, 260. He carries like the usual sort of prototypical linebacker size, but moves like a modern day linebacker. He moves like a Quan Alexander, like he has that level of ability and agility. He's another one that was a you know a multi positional athlete in high school, quarterback, running back, and I think safety when he played there, and then ended up transitioning when he got to Tulsa. Level of competition is always going to be a question, but the Saints have never been afraid of that before. Remember, they drafted a tight end out of Dayton in the third round not too long ago. Uh, they're not afraid of, of small school prospects. Uh, Mario, uh, Marcus, Marcus Davenport, of course, coming from UTSA, right? So they'll do that in the first round. Um, and the other thing that I like about him is is his height, his size at six foot four. One of the biggest issues and biggest challenges for the Saints this season was their red zone defense. As you shrink the field and you add height to the second level, that complicates things for offenses a ton. And especially if you have somebody that is at that height that can get sideline to sideline quickly, they have that lateral quickness. He can put himself in positions to take away throwing lanes by simply being there or at least forcing quarterbacks to have to throw over him, which is kind of a pain in the ass for quarterbacks. And so I think that that's something 
something that I really like about him in addition to his ability as an edge rusher too. He's got pass rusher moves. And so he can also contribute in that area of the game. There's also a lot of other linebackers out there in in this one. Uh, Baron Browning, who could be a round two, three type guy out of Ohio State, uh, as well as some other you know later guys like Nick Bolton might move into day two at some point. Micah Parsons is probably a day one guy, but he's dropping down a lot of boards because of all the Penn State issues that are going on around that. I think also because of that, the Saints stay away from him. But depending on what we learn about his his part in all of that, that could potentially change some things too. So there are some really good off-ball linebackers, even later in the draft, like Garrett Wallow out of TCU, like some of these guys that could be really good off-ball linebackers at the next level that are solid tacklers as well. They all exist in the draft, not so much in free agency, but I would expect to see the Saints at least address the position in the offseason one way or another. That brings us to the free safety spot. Now Marcus mm-hmm. Williams, top 10 safety in the league. By everybody's measure, mm-hmm. the money's he's not going to be cheap. Nope. He's not going to be cheap. And you look at what else they have at that position, replacing him will not be easy um, if he goes. The Saints, can they offer him the best deal in this? Because like there is a lot of interest for him on the market, clearly. And do the Saints have to try to replace him through a lesser free agent based on their, based on their salary cap situation, or do they have to do this in the draft too? Yeah. So I think that the Marcus Williams should be the like number one B priority behind Jameis Winston for the saints this off season, because he allows you to do what you want to do on defense, right? He knows Dennis Allen's system. He understands the Ripley's concepts. He's able to do a lot for you in terms of just being a rangy guy down there. He improved his tackling, wildly this season. I think he dropped down to single digits in terms of missed tackle percentage, which was a big leap for him. So he's done some really incredible things to work on himself, work on his game and improve himself just in time (laughs) to hit the open market. Um, The safety class in the draft is incredible this year. The Saints could grab somebody in the fifth round that could contribute on defense. But can he be a Marcus Williams? That we don't know. So I do think that that's the value in keeping Marcus Williams around. It's the what you have is better than what you might have type of situation. Um, Can the Saints offer him the best contract? Yes. It just requires work in terms of the base salary, but they could always exceed the guaranteed amounts. And that's where they could you know, really benefit him because they would want to load up with a pretty big signing bonus anyway so that they can keep the base salary low but still pay him out quite a bit of money to start off the season. So because of that, you're already guaranteeing quite a bit of money because it's the signing bonus. So you add, you know, another 25% or so of the base salary to the signing bonus, you end up with around 50% guaranteed and then you're able to sort of work from there. So I do think that the Saints can put together a a contract that makes sense and be able to offer him something that is going to be up there. Uh, But it just kind of depends on what he's comfortable with. You know, is it going to be the total money, APY, or is it going to be the guaranteed money that's more important to him? That's the big thing. We can talk about how much a player deserves average per year wise. It it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? What the APY is. What matters is the guaranteed money and what these guys are actually going to get paid. That's what agents are working for is the guarantees because this this is football. And quite frankly, whatever, that's the only thing you can count on. Mm -hmm. Um, My thing is, what does this mean for Janoris Jenkins, though? Yeah. So Janoris Jenkins could help the Saints out quite a bit by reducing his salary cap um, and all. And there are a couple of ways that they can do that. They can 
they already have there's already void years on his contract beyond this point so they could restructure him into those years they could extend him formally into those years and lessen the cap hit he could rework his deal much like the way that Drew Brees reworked his like he could voluntarily take a pay cut I don't know if he would uh, but there are those options with him in order to keep him around I think the best case scenario for the Saints is to keep him around and then you know target the secondary whether it be safety or corner in the draft at some point and potentially bring in you know a younger corner somewhere like a Troy Hill or somebody that can do a little bit of everything that can play multiple positions in the draft. I think that that might be, or excuse me, in free agency. I think that that might be more likely, right? I don't think that the Saints all of a sudden turn into a team here without a quarterback that goes into making big day one free agency signings. You know what I mean? I don't think that that happens out of nowhere. I think that they continue to be a team that lives for those mid-tier level free agents and then putting grabbing guys that work in a system. And, and and then and then building around them that have a clear role in terms of what they'll be able to serve. So I think that that's the thing. I think there's a way to keep Janoris Jenkins and help yourself that I think would be beneficial to both Janoris Jenkins, who might not have a market at his age out on the free agency, out in the open market, and then keep him in a place where he's familiar and give the Saints somebody opposite Marshall Latham where that they know can be productive. And quite frankly, the team has to feel like, hey, if we do a couple things better, like all these guys have to feel like they're still in Super Bowl contention. They have absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They absolutely should. Because, again, it it wasn't the quarterback that brought them to the playoffs last year. It was was the defense. It was the team around Drew Brees. And Drew Brees, right? right? It wasn't just because Drew Brees. of mm-hmm. right, exactly. And don't get me wrong, like Drew Brees wasn't, you know, he didn't half-ass his way through the season or anything like that. Like he played injured, he played with, he played very well toward the end of the season, and unfortunately, it just kind of fell off once he got to the playoffs. But you know, I mean, when he came back from that injury, he had pretty nice games after he got back into the rhythm of things, and after everybody else got back into the rhythm. And so, I do think that there is a, a reality to where this team looks at themselves, and you can see this from top down, right? Anytime Sean Payton's talking, anytime Mickey Loomis is talking, they're not talking about how well we're going to see what's going to happen. We're, we'll we'll evaluate and see what happens next. They're evaluating their roster because they intend to contend again next season. Yeah, this is not a rebuild. This is not a rebuild in their mind. The offensive line is a big problem as far as the interior. Mm -hmm. Um, Nick Easton gone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Will Clapp had a a very good year uh, Mm -hmm. last year after his first year was more disappointing. Andrews Pete disappointed, of course. Um, Not just, again, as we've talked about this so many times with Andrews Pete, from play to play, generally, he's pretty good. I mean, he's, he's a good player from play to play, but his bottom is so bad right that's what you notice um and then you didn't get the progression out of Caesar Ruiz that you wanted to see for a number of reasons sure. you know we, we we don't have to highlight them all but you it, the, ultimately you didn't get what you wanted out of your first round pick yes um yeah. and so the line needs needs help and you, you, we've already talked about Teron Armstead being at the later end of his career you got to start thinking about replacing him as well and the injury concerns are always there um Offensive line has to be something else that they're going to try to address possibly early out of their picks in the draft. Yeah, and, and there's there's really good ways to do that, too. I mean, you can go into the bottom of the first round and you can grab a guy. There's, there's you know, Dylan Raddins out of North Dakota State University, who I think is a a legitimate first round selection that can play inside and out. You can go later on in the draft you can grab a guy like Trey Smith out of Tennessee, who, despite his health issues, is a top 10 talent 
in in the draft and like when he's when he's able to play and he hasn't missed time since 2018 like he missed the 2018 season because of of blood clots in the upper body but then 2019 2020 he was medically cleared to play and he played every game and started everyone but one so he's also shown that he's he's trending upwards in terms of his health so he's somebody uh david moore out of grambling had a ridiculously good um uh, senior bowl and so he really stood out james hudson out of cincinnati like there's a lot of really good day two day three guys that you can go to and potentially supplement and add some of that, first of all, depth for this year behind the line of scrimmage or or at the line of scrimmage, but also potential guys for the future, depending upon what your situation is. Teron Armstead, uh, or excuse me, um, Nick Easton being released was more about, and I think Kat Terrell cap, mentioned yeah. this too, it was more about cap than anything else, right? They it, needed it, a six it, mil. They needed yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, is your is your production meeting your salary requirement this season? Probably not. Not as a backup. And, you can't afford right. that. Yeah. Right. And you've got James Hurst now, too, that I think the Saints will work to resign because he's not going to cost you a ton of money. He's probably going to be a vet minimum guy or just above. Uh, and he's somebody that played extremely well after he was done with that four game suspension early on in the season and then came through. And then he really turned into the sixth guy uh, as Nick Easton you know, had to fill in at right guard every now and then and things like that. He, he ended up doing that. I think one of the other things that will help is getting Cesar Ruiz plugged in at center and getting him moved to the position that they drafted him to play and then getting Eric McCoy out to right guard. I think that's another thing that will really benefit them, because if you can shore up one of those positions on the interior and you know that your weakest link is going to be the left guard when when he's not performing i think that's an okay situation to be in especially when you have a big arm quarterback right so i I think that that would be another thing that would really help them so i could see oh and cameron tom also got signed away on a futures deal elsewhere too so there's also that so i do think that they'll they'll focus on that depth uh will clap will be a part of that uh james hurst hopefully a part of that and then i wouldn't be surprised to see them go offensive line i wouldn't be surprised to see them go offensive line in the first round if they felt like they needed to And, and i wouldn't be disappointed in that i think going offensive line in the first round is always a good pick it's a safe pick it's not a sexy pick but it's always a good choice because you want to build for the future of your team and and you build up the middle that's what you do it doesn't matter the sport you have to be strong up the middle and the saints again the the key for this team on both sides of the ball has been able to survive losses to the offensive line over the last couple years when guys go down and the same on the defensive line so i think that is 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 a priority for sean payton and for mickey loomis is to keep that area stocked like, mm-hmm. it, because again, it, they save money. Ultimately, I'd rather have five right. guys who can do, you know, on the defensive line, give me six, seven guys who can get me three sacks than having to pay everything for one guy who gives me 10. And right. it's just, it doesn't make sense for me that way. I don't need a superstar at that position. And the same with the offensive line. If once I've got my bookends and you've right. got Ryan Ramchick and you've got Teron Armstead and you've got, um, you know, this very, some very good first, second year players, yeah, you're just looking for people who can play multiple positions across that line and be dependable and, and, and not be too expensive because that's going to be the constant rotation behind those those four guys who you've invested your most money in. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that that's something you're going to see the Saints really rely on this year, too, just like they did last year. Who can play multiple positions? That makes P.J. Williams valuable. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because he can play inside, outside, and at safety now, right? They really like what he can do at safety. Um, you look at guys like James Hurts who can play inside and out on the de- on the offensive line. Um, guys like Malcolm Roach who can play inside at our own defensive line. Like they're gonna they're gonna continue to focus in on that because first of all, it, it, it's part of what allows them to fix the salary cap. 
mm-hmm. to be able to sign one player that could do multiple things. Uh, and it allows them to continue to be able to be versatile and flexible when it comes to depth because you have a wide receiver that can play running back if your entire running back room gets COVID, you know what I mean? Or, or is out because of COVID, you know? So uh, that type of thing, like that helps the Saints win. That helps the Saints continue to produce. Like they had to do that in the final game of the season and still put up over 100 rushing yards on that in that game and so you know i think that that all of that is is valuable and that would be a valuable asset you'll see the saints continue to go to and i would expect them to continue to go to the smartest players on their board uh in the draft as opposed to even maybe the most raw talented players on the board because they want the guys that can learn the the playbook as quickly as possible absolutely and then lastly let's look at the tight end position jared cook free agent and of course saints fans he is he is their public enemy number Man. one still and i don't think that that's fair to jared cook i don't think i don't he think should so be. either <laughs> it's not fair over the course of that game like he should not be the goat no, that, 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 that just doesn't all. feel right not um but we don't expect him to be back um right. and that leaves you with josh hill and adam troutman troutman's not going anywhere but josh hill hasn't given you anything really of note um the last year and he's been injured Mm-hmm. I don't think the Saints draft a tight end, though. I think this is one of those positions that either you find a free agent um, who can be serviceable at that spot, or it's or they do or they go with a rookie free agent because they've had success in the late parts, and you only have five picks using that on a tight end when you have, I think, other positions of need. And if you retain Taysom, you can still use him in c- certain tight end t- situations, and you can still have another veteran somewhere to to plug in as more of a blocking tight end. Yeah, and I know Saints fans are going to hate this, but there's always the potential, too, because you have to release Jared Cook before the second day of the league year. You have Mm -hmm. to do it. Otherwise, there's like an $8.1 million cap hit that comes out of nowhere, a roster bonus that gets added to his contract. So you have to let him go. But then you could they could bring him back at a cheaper price based on that. You know what I mean? So they could walk into 2021 with the exact same tight end room that they walked out of 2020. Now, I know Saints fans don't want to hear that because everything is Jerry Cook's fault. But when it comes down to it, like that might be the MO for the Saints in terms of, again, keeping the band together, keeping everybody together. Now, if they do decide to move on from Jerry Cook, which I do believe is the better choice because you want to be a year ahead as opposed to a year late mm-hmm. on something like that. I, I also wouldn't be surprised to see them not even really address tight end because of the fact they also have Ethan Wolf on that future reserve contract, who they like. And he is a prototypical tight end. He can block. He can serve that role to where essentially he can bump into what taste, excuse me, Adam Troutman's role was last year to be somebody that starts off as more of a, as a blocker, but then gets a little involved in the passing game every now and then. And then you move Adam Troutman into Jared Cook's role to where he's there to be the pass catcher, but also gives you better blocking than what Jared Cook gave you. Josh Hill probably continues to, to serve that F role. Again, he's a guy that can play multiple positions. You can put him in the backfield. You can put him in line. You can line him up in the slot. Like, there's so many things you do. He's not going to, you know, go off for, you know, 60 catches in a season or anything like that. But he still gives you somebody that is able to play all those roles and is an outstanding blocker, right? So there is there is that that area of it. So I wouldn't be shocked to see the Saints actually roll with Adam Troutman, Josh Hill, and then end up seeing Ethan Wolf make the roster if he stays healthy throughout camp. And then, of course, if you have Jameis Winston at quarterback, then you have Taysom Hill that supplements that position as well. So there is that. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Saints, or I wouldn't be disappointed, rather, if the Saints did decide that they wanted to go for another pass-catching tight end, 
there are cheap guys out there that you can go after. Johnny Smith out of out of uh, Tennessee, who's going to be you know heralded as one of those those tweener guys, and he might suffer because of that in terms of is he a wide receiver, is he a tight end? Uh, but he doesn't have like the Kyle Pitts level of talent in production or raw talent in production, so he doesn't have something to supplement that tweener status. And so I think that that could be a route that the Saints could go as well as a couple of other tight ends in free agency. But I don't think that they spend the draft capital on a tight end unless they you know pick up some picks. They'd have to be some huge value like somebody on their board that's just sitting there that they can't ignore like the draft goes in a funky way and all of a sudden somebody that you just didn't expect and the people you wanted first are gone and there's a high tight end when you get to that last pick in the fourth round i couldn't see it coming before that though right yeah i mean it could be that they pick up you know they end up getting that compensatory sixth or something right. for aj klein and then you know kenny yaboa is still on the board out of mississippi or uh i can't remember the guy's name but out of um out of uh, Boise State, who's the great pass catching tight end as well. Like some of those later round guys, kind of like what they did with Elise, with uh, Elise Mack a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. He ended up not making the roster, but they could get a look at somebody that way or potentially, as you mentioned, go to undrafted free agency, which should Has have. worked out well for them. Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing about undrafted free agency this year, just like last year, these priority free agents are going to be extremely talented because you're not going to see that many FCS players go in this draft. It was a record low last season. Only six FCS players went in last year's draft. Outside of maybe the couple of North Dakota State University guys, you maybe could look at like UCA corner uh, Robert Rochelle and a couple of other smaller FCS players, you're not going to see a ton of those guys go in this draft. And so all of that top talent that usually comes out of, you know, the 15 or so top talent players that come out every year from from FCS schools, if six of them get drafted and all of a sudden nine of them are on the market and undrafted free agency and the Saints will have done that, that due diligence and can continue to win an undrafted free agency that way. I forgot to address this, but I'm going to let you just snuff it out right now. Mm-hmm. Saints have no interest in J.J. Watt. The Saints have no interest in J.J. Watt at the price that he will be paid elsewhere. Right. That's my thing. Yes. I think that I think they would be foolish not to at least call and say, here's the price that we're willing to pay. Here's what we have to offer. Yay or nay. And then he says nay, and then they move on. Like I, I think it's like that type of thing. I don't think they have no interest in him. I think 32 teams. You have teams, to. Yeah. yeah. You know I what mean, I mean? I think 32 teams, including the Houston Texans, should be calling him and saying, hey, what can we do? You know, how much are you going to cost? But I, I, this is the way that I, I look at the same free agency this year. The Saints will be able to afford whatever it is they want to pay for any individual player, but they won't go above that. They'll continue to do what they've done over the last few seasons. They'll set a price, and if they go above it, they'll say bye, and then they'll move on to the next person. They did it with Mark Ingram. They did it with Von Bell. They did it with Jimmy Graham when there were some talks about him potentially coming back, like all those things. Like They'll continue to do that. So I think they'll have interest. I just don't think he's going to end up in New Orleans by any stretch of the imagination. And I don't think New Orleans is, is his preferred destination either. No, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. I mean, I think there are plenty of places like obviously signing with his brother and playing with him up in Pittsburgh or whatever the options are. Right. He, I don't think he wants to, 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 again, it's, I think it's a different, that's not the, the thing that he's looking for at the, for him. I just don't right. see it. Right. Um, if there are cuts and we know that there are certain guys who are unavailable, if there are, tr- who is the most likely right now, not just as a restructure, because we talk about some of these guys could be cut and restructured. Mm-hmm. But who's who do you think is next on the chopping block? Yeah, so uh, guys that I think are cap casualty cuts that otherwise would be on the roster would be guys like you can technically put um, Jerry Cook in that 
in 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 that for sure. Uh, I would also say Malcolm Brown, as we mentioned, could just be a clean cut as opposed to extending him or restructuring. They could just move on from him. Patrick Robinson is definitely one of those guys. Janoris Jenkins could be one of those guys, even though they have other options of things that they can do with him. Uh, I think that those are really the biggest ones that that stick out for me. Uh, I feel like I'm missing a couple. I named six on the show on Locked on Saints two days ago, and now I can only remember four. But there, there are definitely those players that are around and, and about for them to be able to to make those decisions for sure. Uh, you know, Emmanuel Sanders could be one of those guys. You know what I mean? Like there are those guys where if you if you move on from them, then it saves you money. So in real terms, where do they sit with the cap? We know what the number is, mm-hmm. and that's easy to find. But realistically, as the Saints handle yeah. the cap, um, how far are they from being to where they want to be? Yeah, so they're a, a little under $70 million above at the moment, which means five restructures, a couple of those cuts, and extending Marshawn Lattimore and Ryan Ramchick. I think this is the thing that like a lot of people outside of Louisiana, a lot of people outside the Saints fan base don't understand. I've heard a lot of people talk about, oh, it's time to go after Marshawn Lattimore and Ryan Ramchick because the Saints have to move on from them. That's not the case at all. Um, there's a reality in which that happens. Yes, that, that reality is, you know, that the Saints and the player or the player doesn't want to extend a year earlier. They want to play through their fifth year option, then hit the open market. The thing about it is that no fifth year option is guaranteed until it's signed. And so the Saints could pull a fifth year option. The Saints could trade a player on their fifth year option to get better than a third round pick the following year, because that's the most you would get for a compensatory pick if they got signed away. And you, you know, if you sign somebody to a comparable deal, then all of a sudden that compensatory pick goes away anyway. So putting all that aside, which are Worst case scenarios, possible, but worst case scenarios and unlikely scenarios. If the Saints re-sign or extend rather Marshawn Lattimore and Ryan Ramchek in the next season, it drops their cap pit for 2021. Because right now, I think it's Ryan Ramchek's around a little bit over $11 million. And then Marshawn Lattimore is a little under $11 million. They're, mm-hmm. they're right within like $0.5 million of one another. Um, with that being the case, you can shave three to seven million dollars off of Ryan Ramchick's deal by extending him this year. You can do the same thing with Marshawn Lattimore by extending him during this offseason. So keeping them actually helps you do that. So in terms of raw deals and things that that can happen, they've already saved about thirty one million dollars by moving on from Jason Vanderlaan and, and Cole Wick, the two tight ends who opted out last season but had their contracts told to this year. Those are easy decisions for the Saints. And then they moved on from uh, Nick Easton, who saved $5.87 million. They got just about $24 million with the restructure from uh, from um, Drew Brees. Drew Brees, thank you. And then once Drew retires, as we assume he will, uh, then that $1.075 million base salary goes back to the Saints. They'll designate him post-June 1, and then he'll you know, the rest of his capital split out over the next two seasons, which is good news for the Saints. So... With that being the case, in terms of raw moves, you're looking at a handful of restructures, $8 million, $6 million a pop. You look at saving somewhere between 10 to $14 million with the extensions of Ryan Ramchek and Marshall Lattimore, and there's about $20 million more that you can save by moving on from a handful of players. Uh, but nothing really desperate has to take place. It just depends on how comfortable you are restructuring certain players. Are you comfortable restructuring Cam Jordan as opposed to moving on from Cam Jordan? You know, and, and I, I do think that they are. Oh, Thomas Morissette is the other player I was trying to oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Two and a half million dollars if you move on from him. But 
Uh, it's just with Blake Gillikin waiting on the sideline. So you have a lot of options. To be able and you to can move on. They could be this. moving on from Will Lutz, too. Yeah, Will Lutz could be could be somebody. I, I don't think that they will, but, you know, I think that. I mean, kickers the, are kickers. You know what kickers I mean? Are kickers. And, and we know Sean Payton's always had, you know, a quick trigger when it comes to kickers. And like, Saints don't kick a ton of field goals. Right. That's the thing is they're, ne- they're not one of those teams that ends up kicking a ton of field goals at the end yeah. of the season. Yeah. The only thing is, you know, what's going to happen? How different does the offense look next year? And then how does that happen? Right? The Saints, Saints have him for a while, but what is that? You know, do you need that guy for next season? So I, I don't think Will Lutz goes anywhere, but I do think that like Thomas Morstead could be somebody that they, they wait until camp. They look to see, you know, during whatever offseason activities they're able to have, any of that stuff they're able to do, they get a look at what he's doing and how he's looking. And if he's not looking back, then they could move on from him and fa- move on from him in favor of the younger Blake Gillikin, who they had on injured reserve last season. Like, you know, there there are there are those types of moves. But that's kind of where the Saints are. I mean, it's a handful of restructures, a handful of cuts, a couple of extensions, and they can be right where they need to be. Before we wrap, I just want to go through the division real quick because mm-hmm. Tampa wins the Super Bowl and they got a lot of money. Yeah, they got a lot of money. Yeah, Carolina got money. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Atlanta yeah. is They're revitalized under- in some yeah. ways. I think that they, I think they hired a good coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Atlanta still, again, they have talent. We know that. Right. Um, this division ain't getting no easier. Mm-mm. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, you know, I think you have some key free agents from each of those teams that are going to be on their way out. We'll see how much of that each each of these teams is able to retain. Uh, Atlanta's got a lot of questions to ask. They're rejuvenated, but they have a lot of questions to a answer. Excuse me. Yes, they'd be um, the most. They'd be the biggest question because Carolina's still in a rebuilding stage. We just, our expectations for them are still in right. the six to eight win range. Right. Um, but Atlanta, yeah, especially if they go to a rookie quarterback or something right. like that, like that's going to take time. Yeah, and if they if they even move on from Christian McCaffrey, which could happen, we mm-hmm. you know there's been talk that that might happen. But um, yeah, I, 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 it's really what does. Tampa do obviously, yeah. And and does Atlanta ever get back on the right track? Yeah, and, and Atlanta's going to take time. I mean, I think if I remember correctly, they're a little bit over thirty million dollars over the salary cap themselves, so they have some things to figure out. It's not tough. It's not going to be hard for them to get under because no, they're not they have seventy million. They can move on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you know, that would be a couple of players that they can either move on from or restructure that's the other thing we have to look at too is how much of the restructure strategy does terry fontenot bring with him to atlanta in terms of that style of cap management and everything so like that'll be a whole other thing to kind of to to watch for sure to see how they go about all that but but they'll be able to uh but they still have they still have to be able to do that and so we we still don't know how they're going to do it so we'll see exactly what happens with them tampa still very much will be a talented team next season there's no doubt about that uh but they have some big free agents that are hitting the market with uh with with uh, Shaq Barrett, with uh, Chris Godwin. I don't think Chris Godwin goes there. I think Chris Godwin, at worst, gets franchise tagged. And that tag window opens in about a week. So and even, will. And, and even, um, now why am I forgetting his name? Other, other receiver on the opposite side. Um, uh, Mike Evans? Yeah, he said he would take a lesser deal. Yeah, like the, this is, yeah, so this is this is that part that always takes place with the Super Bowl teams, right? Super Bowl winning teams, all of a sudden, everybody's like, we want to repeat, we want to do it again, we want to get to the playoffs next year, we want to get to the Super Bowl next year, we'll take a cut to stay here. So I think you'll see a series of team-friendly deals come down for for Tampa, and we'll see how much they're able to retain. But I, I think Tampa is going to be still be the biggest challenge for you next season in terms of the sure thing, and then we'll see what happens with Atlanta, who seems to be kind of, as you mentioned, the biggest unknown uh, in terms of which way they'll go. 
I think with Tampa and that young secondary, that's not where their focus will be. I think they're going to try to continue to augment their D line and their offensive mm-hmm. line. That's yeah. that's their focus. I think that they 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 like their running backs by committee. Fournette is still relatively young and cheap, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, I think for them, it's going to be they have the money for to go after top free agents on the D line, top free agents yeah. on the O line, and then draft if they draft well. They're going to be right where they were last year, and it's um, it's hard not to unless Tom Brady has a big drop off because even we've seen he did not have to have a big game in the playoffs. Right, he yeah. was okay in the playoffs. He threw a lot of picks yeah. in the playoffs, and yet they got there. So you can win in spite, but it's just that you know you have Tom Brady who's not going to make the the killer error for you. So I think that they can they they feel like they can rely on that team now. And not mm-hmm. just having Tom Brady. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. They're they're doing they're doing what they're the Saints the same, yeah. are trying to do. They're 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 both in the same category of like building a team that can that can drive the quarterback as opposed to needing to be driven by the QB. And it's a smart way to go. It's a smart way to go, especially with the quarterback that's going to be what forty three next season. Yeah, everything. And he's still through. He's still through downfield more than anybody in, in 2020. It's a remarkable thing to watch, but that's that's what happens with discipline and training and everything like that. And like he was able to go out there and do that. And he'll be back next season, Tom Brady, to try to do it again. And we'll see. Like We'll see if that wall does show up all of a sudden. Man, um, I think that covers it for this week. We're just, we're just going to be hinging on waiting for this Drew Brees announcement and seeing yep. when that happens. And it's, it's, it, it's all about the quarterbacks. I mean, that's what it's going to come down to. I mean, it, whatever else happens... We're, we're waiting to, for that other foot to drop with Jameis and if he's yeah. returning. Yeah, that's the big thing. And and I think everything comes after Drew. Everything comes after Drew. Like, we won't know anything about Jameis Winston until after Drew Brees makes his announcement, things like that. All the stuff that we've talked about before, but it, it's worth mentioning and it's and it's worth, worth remembering that, like, that's going to be the do- first domino to fall and then everything else gets underway. So, you know, you're already watching this thing to make some moves and, and you know, shave. They've already sh- they shaved off a third of their overage within seven days of the of the season ending. You know what I mean? So you'll see them continue to do some work up until Drew Brees announces. But once Drew Brees announces, I think that's when everything else starts to fall into place. I, I do love watching on Twitter and things like that when people say the Saints need to be investigated for how they manipulate the cap. And I'm like, they're not manipulating they're not it. They're operating it. within the structure of the rules. All right. these things have to be approved by the league. Right. They can't just do stuff. And these were put in place specifically to help teams because they know they have this cap. The league yeah. had to find remedies for teams to survive the cap because they don't want franchises to have to gut themselves completely right. to yeah. and become non-competitive. Yeah. The Saints haven't done anything illegal. No, not at all. And I think the other thing that I really love is when people point to the Saints cap situation this season or what it's going to be because the next two years are going to be rough for the Saints because of the pandemic, though. Not because all of a sudden something happened and their their idea to just keep pushing stuff down the road backfired on them. It backfired on them because of the fact that there's a pandemic. We didn't have fans in the stands and the salary cap is dropping potentially for the first time in the NFL. We have to see what happens.
happens too with the new 10 year TV deal and how yep. that affects the next year's draft. Like there's a reason that the cap sat, that the salary cap hasn't been mentioned yet, right? That it hasn't been set yet because they don't know what it is. And so there's talk that the floor was 175. Then we heard, oh, it might be upwards of 185. And then we heard it might be around 180.5. And then now this 10 year deal may be done within the next month in terms of TV deals. How does that then affect the salary cap next season? So we'll see because depending upon what the salary cap looks like, the more, the higher it is from 175, the less the Saints have to do. And people are just going to be more pissed off about it. And the fact of the matter is that like the Saints aren't up against it right now because of their poor salary cap management. They're up against it right now because of a pandemic. And that's just something that's going to, otherwise the Saints would just keep pushing stuff to the future because the cap would have been $200 million this year. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Like it would have gone up and we're talking about it jumping up, you know, over $75 million over the next couple of years and everything before this pandemic happened. And so it was never going to catch up with them until Corona, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, we all had big plans until Corona and the Saints are no exception. You know what I mean? And so I think that that's one of those things that, that I, I also love seeing is the lack of context around what this really is. Because I'll tell you, if that 10 year deal gets signed and all of a sudden the salary cap is up closer to 190, all of a sudden, the Saints are just going to keep doing what they've always been doing. And they'll be that team that continues to sign, you know, $60 million free agents on $5 million of salary cap. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they, they'll be able to continue to do that. They're like, they're like um, a mom at the grocery store who knows where all the deals are. You damn has right. researched every coupon, yeah. has figured out all, you know, it's like, I know that I can combine this coupon with this one. And I, that's right. That's, that's right. the Saints That's are. right. They know when they're in a state where coupons technically don't expire, even though they have expiration dates. Like They know what days that. they double. All they know. That. That's, <laughs> right. that's right. They find that's the right. dented can that you get the price <laughs> off on. Like, hey, this is a nickel right. off this dented like, can. Yeah, uh, storeware, right? Where is it? Uh, you know, coming up there with a damn 99 cent can of carrots going, no, I need a discount store warrant. You yep, know? Yep. It, it's what's it, and it's all, and the thing about it is like we credit, we credit uh, Mickey Loomis, and I promise I'm gonna shut up, but we credit Mickey Loomis, but I think we always try to also make it a point here to credit Kai Harley for all of the incredible work that he has done with New Orleans Saints. This dude is a ghost, man. Like no one in the, like nobody knows who he is outside of New Orleans. I don't know if people within the league know who he is. I don't think so, because if so, he would have been hired away already. He... He obviously like his loves where like he is. This big He's on got the Saints tiny, page. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And he, I, I googled him not so long ago. I did like a Google image search of him. And there's like five photos of this dude online. Two of them are just cropped versions of other photos. Like on top of that, so so it, it's an incredible thing, man. And he he has done, and he's a you know, and he's a black man in this position too, and a young man too, to, and a young guy. And we always try to shout out those guys that are you know doing the good work in the executive positions like that. And and he's he's done an incredible job. He's done an incredible job with the Saints, and he'll continue to do it. I, I can't wait. I can't wait for this offseason and free agency to get started because there's going to be so many. How are they doing this? type questions just like there are every single season and i i would also be pretty sure that there's going to be a big surprise too there is every Ah, year with the saints there's a big surprise um and i anticipate another one yep all right my brother tell them what you got working and uh, how they can follow you yeah absolutely man uh such a pleasure to be back here with you i I love doing these so as always man i appreciate you uh just dropped an article yesterday over at canal street chronicles breaking down how the saints trimmed off that 
third of their salary cap overage within the first seven days of the offseason. Uh, so that's there live now. Later on, I'll have a proposed, I'm going to do a contract series to where I'm talking about how to build contracts with some in-house free agents. So I'm starting off with Trey Hendrickson, what a contract could look like for him using SpotRack's um, uh, uh, market value estimate and then building off of a contract structure from that. So that'll be coming out later on this week. I'll do Trey Hendrickson. I'll do uh, Marcus Williams and probably uh, Sheldon Rankins will be the, the first three that I'll start with there. So those will be coming out all throughout later this week and early next week. I have a newsletter also coming out for Canal Street Chronicles, the Houdat Herald. It's where I'm break, doing a film breakdown for three of the most uh, two, three of the top plays for the Saints in 2020 with a couple of honorable mentions. Uh, and then, of course, Locked on Saints every Monday through Friday, wherever you get your podcast. Today, spent time looking at the QB annual, looking at the performances of uh, Drew Brees and Taysom Hill, broke down the running back room, as well as looked ahead to the running back room in 2021. And of course, every Wednesday right here, hard in the paint, the Dome Patrol. That's right. That's right. So, and then follow him at. All right. You can always Ross follow me Jackson. on Twitter. At Ross Jackson Nola. That's right. Follow the man. <laughs> come, because for the, come for the Saints material. Stay for the funny tweets. Every and night. also, he, he Ross's feed is full of other great writers and yes. people who do this uh, job. And you get exposed to them as well. Um, so it's, you know, that's the great thing, too, is he, his network. Your network is so big and, and throughout the, the country and the, the, the other pl- uh, people that you work with that, that I've gotten to read a lot of great oh, people. Dope. And, you know, and, and, and just even when you're side stuff, you know, I check out mm-hmm. your stuff and you check out mine, but um, I think it's important, you know, for fans, don't just get your team's perspective right. because you need to know how the team, how other people view what's going on around the league, get that other information. And uh, it's so important. And, and you're a great conduit to that as well. Hey, I appreciate that, man. Yeah. Always trying to show support to people that are doing uh, some really good work and there's a lot of them out there. So absolutely. For sure. And as independent cr- content creators, mm-hmm. we, we have always, you and I have always taken it uh, personally in right. making sure that we support other folks and um, get the, get them some shine. Um, and it, this, look, this stuff don't benefit us. We don't get paid for doing nothing. <laughs> um, you know, for, for shy right. people. So, we don't get no advertising fees. Yeah, but at the same time, it doesn't cost us anything either. Nope. You know what I mean? To just retweet somebody else's good work, you know? No. And, yeah, and like it's just- said, There's so many people doing it, so. And so, support. and we wouldn't give folks stuff that we didn't believe in. I would right. not retweet people that I that I don't believe in. I wouldn't send you to, to people that, that I think are not giving you the best information just because they're out there. So, right. um, you know, you get the, you get the don't patrol seal of approval from us that's right so, <laughs> uh, y'all know how to get at me at dm grub on instagram and twitter and of course the website hitp with dg.com and until the next time we are the dome patrol and this is hard in the paint you have a good one like